0: What we're talking about is systemic, low-grade inflammation, where the body's uh, barometer for this inflammatory response is turned up just modestly. And this contributes to a whole host of diseases, diseases of chronic inflammation that range from type 2 diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease with heart disease and stroke, neurodegenerative disease, fatty liver, which is now epidemic in our society, as well as autoimmune disease. So now these diseases, which are non-communicable, you can't catch them. They are the leading cause of death on our planet right now. And they're being driven by chronic systemic low-grade inflammation.
1: Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie fouche cuyo family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, my husband, Dr. Danny and I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. Thank you so much for joining us. Now let's get started with this week's episode. You may have noticed that we've moved away from having sponsors on the podcast. This was an intentional decision and one that Danny and I thought long and hard about. As we begin our careers as family physicians, we feel very strongly about our responsibility to remain as unbiased as possible in order to foster trust with our community and our future patients. Therefore, we've made the decision not to accept any sponsorship or endorsement compensation from industry from this point forward. That being said, in order to continue to produce great content for you here and on our new website, pursuing health.com. We've created a subscription model. Almost all of the podcast content will remain completely free, but we will offer some additional benefits for subscribers with the goal of getting back far more than you give. For less than the cost of a latte each month, subscribers will benefit from exclusive discount codes. We want you to continue to benefit from our unfiltered opinion about products and services on the market without you wondering whether we're receiving compensation behind the scenes. So, Rather than receiving endorsement or sponsorship compensation from companies ourselves, we're asking that those companies that we love, trust, and use ourselves provide an exclusive discount code to our subscribers. This will allow companies to pass along the value of our endorsement to you all without you having to wonder whether we're talking about them just because we're getting paid. We already have a great lineup of discounts and will only continue to add to this list as time goes on. It is our hope that if you use even one or two of these codes, your subscription should pay for itself. Subscribers will also benefit from the opportunity to contribute questions and listen to periodic exclusive Ask Us Anything podcast episodes with both Danny and I. Finally, subscribers will gain access to our morning five sessions, five-minute movement sessions created to jumpstart your day as well as our other online training programs depending on your monthly contribution. In addition to our longstanding Train with Julie Foucher program designed for more experienced athletes, we've also created Train for Life, a 30-minute, five-day-per-week program that can be done with minimal equipment at home or on the go. So if you listen to Pursuing Health and have found the podcast to have positively impacted your life in some way, it would mean a lot to us if you would consider subscribing at pursuing-health.com forward slash subscribe. Again, that's pursuing-health.com. Dot com forward slash subscribe. This episode features Dr. Leonard Calabrese, who is a rheumatologist, immunologist, and doctor of osteopathic medicine. He is also the head of Cleveland Clinic's section of in- clinical immunology, and he manages the R.J. Fassenmeyer Clinical Immunology Clinic. A little bit of background about Dr. Calabrese. He graduated from the Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences and completed his internal medicine training at the Cleveland Clinic, followed by a fellowship in rheumatic and immunologic disease. Since then, he's been a staff physician at the Cleveland Clinic since 1980. Over the years, he has received numerous rewards, awards and honors, including holding the R.J. Fassenmeyer Chair of Clinical Immunology and the Theodore F. Klassen Chair in Osteopathic Research and Education. Over the course of his career, Dr. Calabrese has also authored more than 300 publications and is internationally recognized for his expertise in immunodeficiency diseases, such as human immunodeficiency virus or HIV, as well as other chronic viral infections and vascular inflammatory disease of the central nervous system. He's also passionate about utilizing lifestyle factors such as diet, exercise, sleep, and stress management to reduce inflammation, control disease, and bolster immunologic function. Based on growing scientific evidence that environment and behavior play a large role in immune function and gene expression, Dr. Calabrese is leading the charge in educating other physicians and empowering patients so that they can feel confident in using wellness behaviors to strengthen their immune function and improve their overall health and happiness. I am very excited to share this episode with you because although it was recorded several weeks ago, it's incredibly timely to learn about how our immune system works in light of the coronavirus pandemic. We're hearing a lot about how to prevent the spread of the virus, but there is also a lot we can do to strengthen our own immune systems. Dr. Calabrese's discussion of chronic inflammation and the development of chronic disease also sheds some light on why the virus seems to cause more severe disease in those who are elderly or with chronic disease, whose immune systems are not functioning optimally. Dr. Calabres is a true giant in the world of immunology, and he was one of my professors in medical school, so I was excited to sit down with him for this conversation, where we discuss everything from immune system basics to practices that can be implemented day-to-day to reduce inflammation and lower the risk of chronic disease. We do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. We recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. With that, let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I am very excited to be here with Dr. Len Calabrese, who was one of my teachers in medical school, is a rheumatologist and immunologist here at the Cleveland Clinic, and I'm very excited to talk about a lot of topics about immunology and lifestyle behaviors and Lots of other fun things today, so thank you for joining me.
0: No, well, my pleasure.
1: And um, first, I thought we could just start by talking about your background and what you drew what drew you into medicine, and then why you chose to study rheumatology and immunology.
0: Great question. Uh, medicine, the usual pathway of uh, science and humanity, uh, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. My first mentor uh, as a medical student, which was here at the clinic a million years ago, was an immunologist, Mm -hmm. young, fresh, out of the NIH. And I said, that's for me. And uh, at that time, there was really no home for immunology. So you had to figure out infectious diseases or rheumatology or this rheumatology thing. And rheumatology seemed like an easy home for me. And rheumatology was kind of sleepy back then, hmm. uh, like, you know, napperson was a big deal. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to take care of immunodeficiency diseases. And then this little thing called HIV came along and swept me away.
1: Wow. And okay. then
0: later on, um, the birth of biologic therapies for autoimmunity was born in rheumatology and, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of like of all the gin joints in all the world, I'm an immunologist waiting for all these drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we engaged in all the studies of these drugs and you know, kind of put together infections and immunology and rheumatology and now wellness into a a big non-cohesive machine that uh, keeps us busy and happy.
1: Mm-hmm. So you've talked about how things have have changed over the course of your career. Can you can you shed a little bit more light on that? How you know how immunology has changed in terms of the diseases that you're treating, the way that you think about them, the treatments, the type of treatments that you're using. Obviously, we the knowledge that we have in this is has changed a lot.
0: Well, you know. I, I always tell people uh, that I went into immunology because I thought it was very simple. <laughs> um, you know, there were T cells and B cells and, you know, immunoglobulins and, mm-hmm. uh, There were immunodeficiency diseases that you could count on one hand, maybe one and a half hands. And Mm -hmm. now there's, you know, 250 CD determinants and there's 350 monogenic defects uh, counting for immunodeficiency diseases. And we have a palette of targeted therapies that affect, you know, every Aspect of innate and adaptive immunity and cytokine biology, um, and it is really really fun now to uh, apply this uh, personalized approach uh, and targeted therapeutic approach to a wide variety of diseases. Some of which we've helped dramatically, some of which we still lag behind.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, for people listening who are not, you know, well versed in. In this topic, can you give an overview just for like a 30,000 foot view of what is the role of our immune system? How does it interact with our body and how does it interact with the environment?
0: I'm very good at the 30,000 foot view. Okay. So, um, you Know our, our the notion that we have all these bodily systems, our circulatory system and neurologic system and digestive system. We call it we kind of understand all those things mm-hmm. and what they do. The, the immune system uh, has gone through many iterations, and many people think, Oh, that's the, our bodily defenses that protect us against infection, and it's actually so much more than that. And the, the most recent, um uh, modeling of that is, is that the immune system is there to protect us against danger. Mm. And that danger can be infection, um, and it can be external to us, uh, or it can be sterile and, uh, and can be internal to us, uh, damaged proteins, damaged uh, n- DNA uh, that we have to dispose of through you know, garbage disposals in our cells, all can turn into um, alarms that turn on uh, our immune system. Our immune system is naturally um, well-balanced. We're poised to respond to these danger signals, particularly infections, yet it can't get too active and um, and thus it has to be what we call tolerant of a lot of uh, different stimuli, because uh, if it becomes too active, we develop autoimmune disease and inflammatory disease that we'll talk about. Um, If it um, uh, becomes uh, uh, suppressed, if those tolerant mechanisms now um, take charge, then our defenses lag and we can develop infections or we can develop cancers. Um, So we're just I was trying to put this in balance. And so we have therapies now that knock down the overactive immune system, all these biologics you see on the 6 o'clock news that people are using for Crohn's disease and rheumatoid arthritis and that. And at the same time, we have um, uh, these new therapies of cancer called checkpoint inhibitors that unleash these suppressed uh, immune components uh, to battle back um, and defeat uh, uh, cancer, uh, which are highly effective, but you know what their side effect is, autoimmunity. So it's all just dialing this all in. And we we play both sides uh, of the ball. And uh, we deal with checkpoint biology. We deal with autoimmune biology. We deal with infections and immunodeficiency. We're always trying to get this back to... Um, uh, uh the optimum level. We call that immune strength. Mm-hmm. We don't like to say immune stimulation because mm. you, don't want you think too about much. It, you don't want too much. You want <laughs> yeah. it to be just strong.
1: Strong. So a field that you thought was very simple became very <laughs> very complicated. Very complicated. <laughs> but um but obviously you really enjoy it and have a lot of fun with it. Every day. Um so you mentioned a little bit about what happens when the immune system becomes overactive, you know, autoimmune or inflammatory diseases. How does that happen?
0: Well, you know, I'd I'd like to kind of um, take this up another level. So, I mean, um, autoimmune diseases are common. Uh, uh, I mean... Relatively common. Twenty-five million Americans have some form of autoimmune disease, whether it's autoimmune thyroid disease, or rheumatoid arthritis, or type one diabetes, or celiac disease, or Crohn's disease. Um, there's a lot of these disorders, but most people don't have them. They think, "Well, I don't have a disease of the immune system." The reality is, is that the as we have evolved as a species, um, our survival now is far greater than it was 300 years ago before the industrial revolution. And uh, through the development of sanitation, uh, neutralizing the famine and drought, um, uh, being able to cultivate food, and then ultimately uh, developing uh, vaccines and antimicrobials, people now live much longer than they did just a few centuries ago. As it turns out, the major cause of death, over 50% of all people on the planet uh, die of diseases that uh, that mechanistically occur because of chronic inflammation. So let me just break that down for uh, the listeners. So inflammation, you know people kind of have an idea of this red, hot, swollen, tender, you're, you're you know if I bruise myself, I have a big area that's inflamed on my arm. That's, that is acute inflammation. that is very good. that repairs all our injuries. That's a major first line of defense. What we're talking about is systemic, low. Grade inflammation, where the body's uh, barometer for this inflammatory response is turned up just modestly. And this contributes to a whole host of diseases, diseases of chronic uh, inflammation that range from um, type 2 diabetes, obesity, uh, cardiovascular disease with heart disease and stroke, neurodegenerative disease. Um, uh, uh, fatty liver, um, which is now epidemic in our society, um, as well as autoimmune disease. So now these diseases, which are non-communicable, you can't catch them. They are the leading cause of death uh, on our planet right now, and they're being driven uh, by chronic, systemic, low-grade inflammation, and it all goes back to that balance thing. The immune system is not balanced. There's just too much inflammation. It's not... On fire, but it is smoldering, feeding all these diseases. And that is an epidemic uh, that uh, we face. And we're now just starting to understand all the contributors that are going into that. And that's where our work is headed right now.
1: What are some of the contributors that go into that?
0: Well, it's such an interesting story. Um, it, I like to think about it as a, as an evolutionary disease. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you think of what people did three centuries ago, um, you know, how they ate, uh, what their physical activity was, um, uh, how they slept, uh, what kind of uh, stresses uh, they were subjected to, whether it be psychosocial stress um, or stresses from our environment of uh uh, a, a planet that's getting too hot uh, with uh, pollution, uh, us being surrounded by chemicals in our foodstuffs uh, and, and things that we put on and in our body, um, that is radically different. And the genes that we carry are virtually identical to what people had four or 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. Genes don't change over short periods of time. And so each and every one of these domains um, uh, can drive inflammation. And we haven't even mentioned two other big drivers. One is infections. And uh, while we don't die of, uh, you know, cholera and yellow fever anymore, uh, we have new pathogens on the planet, hepatitis C, HIV, CMV, we don't even understand uh, uh, yet. and. The biology of aging. Uh, As it turns out, you know, when people died at the age of 38, and that was the the mean average of living, um, that was one thing. But now, as people get up to be in seventh, eighth, ninth decades, as this results in a term that I love to use, it's called Mm inflammaging. And the cells in our body, as they become tired, Um, now become angry. Um, They start secreting these inflammatory mediators. So merely having an older population uh, is contributing to this epidemic of chronic, systemic, low-grade inflammation. And all of these are driving all of these diseases and uh, creating an epidemic of non-communicable diseases far greater than any uh, uh, acute cause of death.
1: So we have a lot that we're fighting against. So thinking about this, one, from the perspective of someone who may be thinking, okay, I have all these environmental factors that I'm fighting against. How do I strengthen my immune system? What can I do? What's within my power? Or someone who maybe has one of these chronic inflammatory diseases, what are some of the things that are within our control that we can do to help decrease that inflammation?
0: It's a fabulous question, and it's a question I've become very interested in over the past decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Probably a lot of reasons uh, went into flipping that switch. Uh, we made so much progress with drugs, but that those drugs are not helping the epidemic part of this, uh, where we have uh, um, aging, obesity, metabolic syndrome, fatty liver, mm-hmm. uh, and beyond. Um, Uh, Dr. Michael Roizen from Mm -hmm. the clinic. uh, He's
1: been on the podcast before. Yes. he
0: got me involved in his summits Mm -hmm. over a decade ago. And it was a different look for me. I'm an immunologist. I go to immunology meetings. Mm -hmm. This is a wellness meeting. And uh, I actually thought that some of this stuff was kind of kooky when Mm -hmm. I first uh, heard it. And uh, but, um, you know, uh, I, I, I always say that, the you know, the secret to success in a career is to have great faith, great doubt, and great effort. Mm. So uh, I didn't have the faith, but I had great doubt. And then I took it upon myself, because I've spoken at this meeting many, many times now, um, to really start digging into the science of wellness literature asking, you know, what well, what, what is happening with all this uh, wellness uh, treatments that are out there that people are espousing, you know, is it yeah, I mean, I, everybody can understand that, uh, you know, um, uh, resistance exercise can make you strong and cardio can make you aerobically fit, mm-hmm. but what is it doing to this, to our immune system? Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, um, every single one of these domains that I am talking about, ranging from our aging, our infections, uh, pollution, uh, stress, sleep, diet, and exercise um, are contributing um, to perturbing our immune system. And over the past decade, we've become very interested in what are the strongest evidence that um, our behaviors, which are contributing to chronic systemic immune dysregulation, can actually now um, contribute to reversing that pattern. And I think that there are very strong evidence in all of these domains. You want me to give you some of the softballs?
1: I would love, yes.
0: All right. So,
1: <laughs> love to hear it.
0: Uh, rheumatoid arthritis is a terrible disease. It occurs mm-hmm. in 1% of the population and it's a progressive inflammatory disease that people's joints crumble and they suffer from accelerated cardiovascular disease because it's chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. Famous study that you know of well, the Nurses Health Study, 100,000 nurses followed over three decades plus um, In the New England area, and uh, we know virtually everything about. We know how they sleep, how they exercise, what their diets like, uh, what their stresses are like. uh, Do they smoke? Do they drink? Et cetera, et cetera. And so, over this period of time, uh, about close to one percent of these women develop rheumatoid arthritis. That's what should happen Mm -hmm. when it's a female disease. Just asking a couple straightforward questions, uh, the most obvious of which is, did their diet have anything to do with this? And so they periodically uh, do very detailed food frequencies on this group, and they just divided them into um, uh, uh, quartiles, quadrants of, of healthy eating, where the Worst quartile was the SAD diet, the standard American diet, Western diet, rich in calories, stripped carbs, the whole deal. Processed foods. Yes, processed foods. And then at the other end was largely plant-based diet uh, and then divided it up into grades of quadrant one, quadrant two, quadrant three, quadrant four. After controlling for weight, smoking, alcohol, um, all the things that you'd want to know, each and every quadrant of the uh, food health uh, graph showed a stepwise and statistical increase in the incidence of rheumatoid arthritis and that having your diet down at the healthy end was highly protective and having your diet at the high end was a risk factor. I said, like, this is incredible stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: Because I think for so many years, I mean, I know even in more recent years, I've heard of patients saying, oh, my doctor tells me that my diet has nothing to do with my I don't think it's very recent or in this area, no, but it, you hear it, those stories. It is, I
0: mean, well, we're, we'll come to that yeah. a, a little bit later that, you know, I don't look as at diet as an alternative therapy for rheumatoid mm-hmm. arthritis. I look at it as an integrated therapy mm-hmm. for rheumatoid arthritis. I would never treat a patient with a biologic drug, which I use all the time without telling them about healthy eating sure. uh, to augment that. So that's just, that's, that's one Um, small area of this. So over the past decade, we've actually learned the molecular mechanisms of how the Western diet contributes to inflammation. It's a fascinating story in a nutshell. I will tell you, I already told you that the immune system is here to protect us against danger. And we think of that as protecting us against infections. We have two big chunks of our immune system. The innate immune system, our rapid defense, um, which turns on and off, and then T-cells and B-cells that that make immunologic memory, like when you immunize yourself and protect you for the long haul. As it turns out, the innate immune system actually learns every time it's challenged. So if you get an infection, next time the infection comes back to the innate immune system, it's a little stronger in response. The components of the Western-style diet turn on these innate cells in our body and cause them to secrete inflammatory cytokines and actually these cells start to proliferate. Um, and over time, we gain what we call trained memory. So the, the body is fooled into perceiving our Western-style diet um, as a pathogen. As a threat, and so all of these very complicated mechanisms that secrete these inflammatory cytokines called inflammasome and interleukin one, et cetera, are turned on by our diet and are drivers of that. So it's a it's a, it's a tremendous story.
1: Yeah, and that I guess. It, what is the role then? Obviously, a huge portion of our immune system um, is located in our GI tract, and so it makes sense. The GI tract is always the majority. Yes, of Yes, so it is interacting with the foods that we eat, um, and I think even I think it's Alessio Fasano that has the the has said that he thinks a majority of autoimmune diseases start with some sort of intestinal permeability. Is that something that well, you? I, would agree
0: with well there, certainly. There's strong evidence that uh, that our diet is a major influence on our microbiome, mm-hmm. uh, and this can be shown experimentally. Change your diet and it changes the diversity and the uh, enrichment of our microbiome. Um, patients, uh, people, not patients, um, who eat uh, Western-style diets clearly have a greater degree of, um, compromise of this intestinal barrier, um, and, uh, do have evidence of, uh, uh, increased, uh, uh, intestinal permeability where I, and, and, and I, I agree with Dr. Fasano has done so much to help us understand this and it's fabulous where I'm having, where I'm struggling right now is trying to dial this down to, um, uh, a, a simple answer for that. Uh, and I don't think there is a simple answer. You can't take a uh, a, uh, a probiotic that brings everything back to normal. Um, there's no one foodstuff or uh, supplement that can correct a, a, a leaky gut per se. But, you know, I am a member of the Roxanne Sucol fan club.
1: And, mm-hmm, me too. You know, <laughs>
0: eating the rainbow. Yes. Um, eating... And I emphasize real food, and you know, mostly plants. But uh, meat and protein and fish are fine if that's on a quarter of your plate, and the other three quarters of your plate are are you know uh, vegetables and plant products. Um, it's just something that I think doesn't work over two weeks or two months, but. Years, and uh, that's what the Nurses' Health Study has has told us, and so uh, that's the first thing I do. I have my monograph that I give my patients. Uh, It has the Eat the Rainbow philosophy in it, and that's where we start. And uh, that is that quadrant, and then we move on to, you know, exercise and immunity, Mm -hmm. and. You know, Similar data, um, not quite as crisp as uh, a risk factor for rheumatoid arthritis, but there are data for that. But what we do know about exercise and immunity is that um, there's no doubt in my mind that there is this J-shaped curve relationship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it's come under fire a little bit recently. Um, but sedentary people, uh, their immune systems did not protect them against Respiratory pathogens, uh, you know, now we're in this era of, you know, corona Mm -hmm. hysteria right now. (laughs) You want to have optimum defenses against respiratory pathogens. But moderate exercise is clearly um, uh, 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 protective and may protect it by a factor of 40 or 50 percent. And, you know, what moderate exercise is, I think your listeners know we, you know, 150 to 300 minutes, moderate to uh, high physical activity. Um, and then there is some asymptotic limit of hitting the wall, physiologically overreaching, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And it's different for everybody. And I don't worry about that. And, you know, when people hit it, they know it. And, uh, you know, it's the immune systems like any other system that if you overtax it, it will, it will go down, but we're in the business of getting people to get up and move. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm a big, uh, A fan of uh, instant recess. Um, You know, we, at my immunology meetings, I bring my own yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. We, at our breaks, we get up and move around. We don't sit around and, you know, eat donuts. Uh, (laughs) You know, this is a way to start. And that's the micro health economics of uh, working with people on a regular basis, so we worked on your diet. Now we want you to get more physical activity, um, and uh, there's great evidence for this that mm-hmm. uh, this slows our aging, this enhances our telomere health, mm-hmm. uh, all these little biomarkers that go into that. So we're 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 all in on that quadrant. Quadrant three, you ready?
1: Sleep or stress? Sleep. 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 Okay.
0: When I started this stuff ten years ago, I knew very little about uh, sleep immunology, mm. and uh, I wanted to learn about it. And uh, I run a immunology center here at the clinic called the R.J. Fasenmyer Center for Clinical Immunology. And, uh, we have monthly or twice a month uh, meetings, uh, t- uh, and I bring in people from all over the world um, talking about things that I really want to hear about. Mm-hmm. So that's how it goes. Yes. And uh, so a few years ago I said, all right, I'm, I'm, I've been getting people in and exercise and diet and stress and mindfulness. I want to hear, you know, what's going on in the sleep, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, area. Mm-hmm. And so I started to, um, you know, do detailed literature search and found a number of people who are working in this. And the first guy I brought in was Dr. Michael Irwin, who's contributed more to this space than anybody on the planet. I uh, came in a couple of years ago and I now call sleep the new frontier in immunology. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the data are just incredible that uh, sleep hygiene is as an important predictor of all-cause mortality, health and wellness and non-communicable disease as anything, looking at your LDL or looking at your MVO2 or anything like this, and that getting, you know, uh, you know hopefully six and a half plus hours of sleep a night um, is, uh, is optimum. And when you don't get it, what happens? You get inflammation. And we can do this, Get uh, you know, clear data, uh, take people, put them in the sleep lab and just don't let them sleep for the first four hours. Then you let them go to sleep the rest of the night and uh, you measure in the morning all these biomarkers in the blood and what is rising. Interleukin-6, one of the most potent premier uh, inflammatory cytokines in our body, um, uh, rises at a morning peak. And if you have an immune disease like rheumatoid arthritis, what happens? Your joints hurt more in the morning. You have more stiffness in the morning. You have more fatigability. Um, It feeds into this cycle of inflammation. And so they've done tremendous studies looking at cognitive behavioral therapy for sleep, looking at doing mind-body exercises, Tai Chi, um, and uh, older people with sleep difficulties, all showing that not only can you improve sleep, you lower inflammation. So, you know, it's one of the tough ones.
1: But it's so, it pays off so much. And it's like you said, it's it's inflammation across the board. So, you know, people who are having trouble losing weight or with diabetes or blood sugar, a lot of times sleep is that missing factor that, that um, I think it's easy to push to the wayside because we feel like we can function okay. But if we're not getting good quality sleep or enough of it, there is this like you said, sort of silent, low-grade inflammation that's playing a role.
0: And you mentioned uh, obesity and, you know, we're in an epidemic of obesity and I'm not talking about mild elevations of BMI. I'm talking about, you know, people that really are starving um, uh, because they're eating a Western style diet and uh, are still hungry and nutritionally uh, deprived. Um, You know, Eating the rainbow and getting moderate exercise is the first great step in that direction, hand in hand. And that with obesity comes this collection of central body fat, which is like a pot-bellied stove of inflammation. Uh, the fat cells there contribute to the inflammatory response. And part of the mechanism by which uh, moderate exercise um Uh, decreases inflammation is by reducing uh, body fat and it always works better, far better uh, when eating a prudent diet uh, uh, that we're talking about. So I'm glad that we brought that up and uh, with what we're looking at in terms of metabolic syndrome, people with fat in their liver, um, this is a more important message uh, than anything. The last domain that um, goes into this uh, and I, I, I didn't use the term and I, I'd like to use this for your listeners all of these things are part of what we call the exposome mm-hmm. uh, there's so many ohms right. you know, there's no. the microbiome metabolome. the metabolome <laughs> proteome the genome yes. this is the exposome and these are all the external factors that drive our biology and I use it as the immunologic exposome um, and uh, uh, These are things that, some of which are modifiable, some of which are not. Um, The biggest contributor, I believe, I believe, um, to driving chronic, sustained, uh, low-grade inflammation is our stress response. And if you think about our immune system, again, as this machine that protects us against danger, you know, it is a really great machine, you know, if we're being, you know, Chased by a saber toothed tiger, Uh, that acute inflammation is really good. But, you know, looking at 500 emails coming in a day and, you know, your iPhone that's always in your pocket and uh, multitasking, and um, these are things that, you know, well, I I think that stress has been with us uh, from time immemorial. Um, The stresses of modern life clearly don't respect sleep and shifts and and things like that. So um, chronic stress, psychosocial stress is clearly perceived as a danger signal. And uh, it's another area that Dr. Irwin has uh, contributed to uh, the group at UCLA in the Cousins Center, the Norman Cousins Center, has done fabulous work with this. And there's a new area of medical science called social genomics. Uh,
1: is this the stress lab? Isn't that what it's called UCLA? They, they
0: have, they, they, ha- they're just doing so much there okay. and they, this is all tied together. So social genomics is the idea is that, you know, one of the things that I'm sure many people that you talk to and many people on your show have talked about is, you know, you're, your genes, your genome, and a lot of people feel like, well, you know I've got these lousy genes like what's the point? And as it turns out, you know you can't control the genes that you inherit your your ultimately your DNA from your from your parents, but the genes uh, our genes function uh, quite. Varyingly, uh, take identical twins; they're very identical in the first two years of life, and they get to be seventy years old. They might not even look like each other anymore. Um, so our genes function; they turn on and they turn off. They turn on and they make certain protein. They turn off a certain protein, et cetera. Um, the the way that they do that is by making uh, what's called uh, RNA, and then that makes the protein. So the transcriptome is all the RNA that uh, our body is making on a regular basis. And that is influenced by our behavior. And uh, this area of social genomics has shown us that people who are under chronic stress, uh, you know, and they take experimentally, you know, cancer survivors, caregivers to people with dementia, people who have suffered PTSD, people who describe them uh, are so, uh, psychosocially isolated, their genes function in a very similar way. And uh, it is called the Conserved Transcriptional um, uh, Pattern uh, uh, of Adversity uh, in Response to Adversity, CTRA. And um, what it is, is that when we actually interrogate the genes, the genes that regulate inflammation are up. And the genes that are involved in uh, certain protections against uh, uh, viral infections and things like that, interferon response, um, are down. So this is the CTRA can be readily measured. Um, And uh, when you look at people who are happy, and I don't mean like tipsy, happy, go out Saturday night and Mm -hmm. slam them down. That's, 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 uh, that is uh, hedonistically happy. There's the you know, this is kind of a Aristotelian concept of this eudynamic happiness. I am happy with my life. you know, I'm not in need of things. People that are satisfied, they don't have the CTRA. And so um, that opens up an incredible number of possibilities. Can we change the way our genes are functioning based upon the way our mind is functioning? And that is the integral uh, new frontier with sleep, and that is uh, uh, mind uh, immune access. I say brain and immunity are one organ, they're not two organs. So that is the area that we're we've been interested in the last five years, and we're doing a lot of interesting work in that area. And it and the short answer is yes, there are a lot of things you can do to tone down the inflammation um, by um, uh, changing our behavior. Uh, the two we divide them into two groups: bottom up and top down. Uh, bottom up are kind of like mind body things, and you know. Some people, you know, uh, maintain their good mental health by exercise and et cetera. But doing this in a systematic way of yoga, tai chi, uh, these things have been developed for thousands of years and they've endured uh, evolutionary uh, fashion and they do work and they do change our gene patterns. The top down are stress Modifying activities, everything from cognitive behavioral therapy to mindfulness meditation to a variety of anti-stress uh, uh, techniques, uh, Feldenkrais, and uh, uh, m- there are many ways, many pathways to this.
1: What about practices? You said it in that... <laughs> lab, they're looking at people who are sort of content or happy with where they are. What about practices of um like focusing or identifying what someone's purpose is or yes. gratitude or practices like that?
0: All of this is tied into that and this whole area of gratitude science is mm-hmm. totally so totally uh Enthralling to me that you know you can, uh, you probably have talked about on this uh, program uh, uh, gratitude practice affects, affecting heart function and mm-hmm. um, changing echocardiograms. Yeah. That's being done some really nice work at US, UCSD. Um, so all of this is tied together, and I, I'd say we're we're at the beginning of the beginning of this field. You know, I would like to be able to. Tell you and tell everybody listening that, okay, here it is. Uh, you uh, get this app and do it for three minutes right. uh, <laughs> once every three days, and uh, your genes are all going to go back and forth. We don't know that. What we do know is that intense mind body practices, uh, like mindfulness based stress reduction developed by uh, John Kabat Zinn three decades ago, six weeks. Um, a course uh, a day of introduction, uh, forty-five minutes to an hour a day of meditation, a day of silence. That works. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I always say if I had time to do MBsR, I wouldn't be stressed. <laughs> right. Um, um, but I give all the credit in the world to moving the field. Mm-hmm. And does that mean that you know? Taking one breath on the 30-second app is going to do the same thing. Uh, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so we're very interested in finding the dose response and, uh, you know, is uh, just um, attention on your breath the same thing as doing loving-kindness meditation. Can I make my own uh, meditation techniques that are focusing on my T-cells and B-cells? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some, some very visualization nice visualization in there. Visualization, yeah. Right? Um, you know, and it brings in hypnosis and and very allied uh, fields. Um, And then that ties into placebo response.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh,
0: So all of these things are, 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 are driving. So my patients in my monograph, um, I, I, uh, strongly encourage the engagement in formal mindfulness practice. And we have a program at the Cleveland clinic called stress free now, which is an app and costs a, a few dollars for lifetime access to it. And, um, we know that this reduces stress and we're now trying to find out if it affects genes. And so I, I offer something, but there's a million different things, 10% Happier, uh, um, Headspace, uh, um, Thubten, uh I, I like them all. They're great.
1: There's a lot. So through this process, you said over the last 10 years, we've become very interested in wellness and how that affects our immune system. Have you personally changed any of your habits in any of these quadrants or have you found things that work really well for you?
0: Uh I I <laughs> that's such a great question. I'm such an imperfect practitioner of oh, all, all of this are. stuff, we you know, all are. Like,
1: <laughs> we're sitting
0: here in my office so you get the get a little bit of the vibe you Yes, wanted. it's very zen. All right. So, I try and uh, uh I I do believe this. I I I talked to a lot of people engaged in mindfulness practice which I I I, I I do. We've developed our own programs. I've developed Stress-Free Now for Healers. And even when I'm a bad practitioner, even when I'm a bad practitioner and and just not doing my practice the way that I should, I still feel that I'm a different person now. I'm more self-aware than before I ever started this years ago. And I, 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 every person who does formal mindfulness says that, you know, I, I don't do very much anymore, but I just feel like, you know, you're more self-aware when you're agitated. I had the worst day yesterday in my clinic in years Hmm. and, uh, you know, it just wasn't good and uh it was very so unusual make my, my my clinic days are usually like the happiest days I, I have and uh I came back in the middle of the day and i I was just rescued by the my self awareness and I was mm-hmm. thinking if I was younger and I wasn't doing this i I would be taking this out on everybody mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. so my just a an anecdote for mm-hmm. from that so that that's good. Uh, My diet has changed, and uh, we do our own version of VB6. Uh, What is that? I'm a vegetarian before 6 o'clock. I'm not a vegan before 6 o'clock, but I am a religious vegetarian. So, 14 meals, if if I'm eating 14 meals, um, uh, have no meat products in them. And then... The rest of the week, you know, I might eat meat a couple times. I might go uh, vegan a couple times. I do fish a couple times. So that was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I use Pacer on my phone, and I try to get my ten thousand steps. And I'm a good sleeper. Yeah. So I that that's, I'm the I'm the I, so those things are, yes. are are all in place, and I want to you know. Uh, work with my patients and I want to bring this scientifically based uh, uh, program uh, which is you know not controversial in, in any Way, shape, or form in my mind. I think Mm -hmm. it's solidly based on the evidence. And I want to bring this primarily now to people who are interested in their immunologic health, including the 25 million people who have autoimmune disease or people that just want immune strength. You know, I'm run down or I'm getting older or I'm worried about respiratory infections. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're going.
1: Excellent. So, yes, tell us about the immune state strength program yeah. um, and how someone might, I know it's not quite launched yet. Almost. What, where, what we can expect to see. So,
0: you know, it, as I said, in our own practice, I have a nurse practitioner, Betsy Kirshner, who's um, uh, part of this team. It, it's very easy for us to do this one-on-one. You know, I mean, I see people over a long period of time and I thought like, well, at the end of my career, I'll have touched you know hundreds or thousand patients or something mm-hmm. like that. What about the whole world of people who who want this? Yeah. Um, and what about all the doctors taking care of patients with immunologic disease who still consider this to be alternative medicine? Mm-hmm. And and so we've done a lot of work in this area. We've done needs assessment. We talked to physicians who treat immune diseases. You know they're worried about losing their patients to an alternative therapy. They're worrying about uh, uh, patients stopping their medications to do, you know, lifestyle medicine. Um, uh, Even people who are interested say, you know, I'm not trained in this. I don't know this uh, area in a granular fashion. And uh, even those that do like, I don't have time for this. I don't have the resources for it. Right. So working with the wellness Institute where I have a, an appointment now. Um, they've been doing such wonderful things here uh, uh, since Dr. Royson came, and we have a lot of uh, high-throughput techniques. We have Stress-Free Now, our online mindfulness medication, meditation program. We have Go to Sleep, um, developed by Michelle Drurup, which is a just an extraordinary cognitive behavioral sleep program. Mm-hmm. We have uh, uh, good foods uh, 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 with great uh, group of nutritionists, um, and we have this uh, cadre of e-health coaches, Mm -hmm. um, which we're at the clinic, we're very spoiled, we can just get e-health coaching. So your e-coach loops up with you and said, okay, we have a stopping smoking program for you and you need to work on your weight and we're going to talk to you about your exercise and stress. So we have been working for the past two years of retooling many of these resources into a 10-week program that we call um, Immune Strength. And it has two week blocks, starting with mindfulness meditation, um, and then uh, 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 healthy eating, and then uh, exercise and sleep. And then two weeks where we put it all together. People have an e coach um, to be with them every step of the way, and the narrative, which comes to them with daily emails, um, uh, a video library talking to them about their disease, like I have rheumatoid arthritis or I have inflammatory bowel disease or I have uh, spondyloarthritis or uh, chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or whatever, um, which empowers them with knowledge. You have an immune disease. All the stuff that we're just talking about, your behavior affects your immunity, and we're going to show you how to do this. And we're going to tell you that it, how it works, um, and we're going to encourage you um, to do this in, in an integrative fashion with these incredible immune therapies which stop the progression of multiple sclerosis, which stop the progression of rheumatoid arthritis, bony destruction, um, which can heal the fistulas of Crohn's disease. We're not making any type of extravagant claims other than that we think that we can attack your comorbidities, obesity, fatigue, um, stress, uh, improve your quality of life, and contribute to controlling inflammation. And um, people take a test at the beginning with all these quality of life measures. They can see uh, for themselves where they're at, and they're going to take a test at the end and see how much we've improved. And we have two goals. One, we're going to use this as a platform for robust research, everything from seeing whether it changes your your transcriptome and your microbiome and your proteome and your inflammatory markers? Two, does it improve your quality of life? And three, does it affect disease activity? And we are all into that. And that's going to carry us forward with uh, Dr. Elaine Husney's uh, heading the research part of this. And then I want to make it available to the masses and uh we haven't quite figured that part out but um, i'm
1: sure you will soon enough <laughs> yeah
0: it, we, we 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 figured that if we can show the evidence that it works that you know people will be uh, e- uh more eager than they are right now and and people are still calling me because i talk about this so we're 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 moving very rapidly we should have a beta test um version of this within the next month or so and uh uh, be on the lookout for immune strengths. strength.
1: Yes, that's very follow me exciting. on
0: Twitter, and you can you'll 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 get all the 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 details.
1: Yes, he's a good person to follow on Twitter. That's for sure. Um, actually, I was talking to the person who said she takes credit for teaching you how to use Twitter the other day. Said Jenna, Bridget. Oh, Bridget. Yeah. Okay, a lot of people have taught. I'm you sure that. you've had lots of um, teachers along the way. Um, so just to start wrapping up, there's actually three questions I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. We may have touched on some of them, but one is what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health?
0: Um, I, I think they have to do with uh, my behaviors. And I think the things that are best for me is that, uh, Uh, I'm a hiker Mm. and, um, we walk, uh, my wife and I are big walkers. She's a dancer and much more of an athlete than I am, but that it's a huge part of it. If I don't get, uh, my steps in, I get a little wigged out and Mm -hmm. uh, it's great for me. Uh, Secondly, and
1: good, right. Nature is good for the immune system too. Oh,
0: I am forest bathing. Yes. uh, Huge in forest. There's a lot of immune uh, data on Mm -hmm. forest bathing. It actually enhances natural killer function. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're, we're into that. I think my, my meager mindfulness practices have made me a more, uh, a, 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 a more empathic healer. Um, uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm very big on, uh, gratitude and, uh, I'm uh, very lucky to be here and have my, uh, daughters both work at the clinic and, uh, I see them every day and, uh, we have big, we have, we have, we have fun. I always say, you know, uh, make your work play and make your play work and it's all done.
1: Well, you're clearly doing that. And that's another thing we didn't really touch on too much, but just relationships and how big, of an impact that can make on your stress response. And
0: the opposite of that is even more true. Social isolation is a huge thing. And uh, um, there are two psychiatrists in in Texas, the Janes, uh, who've taught me a lot about wellness, uh, mental wellness. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, we're actually, I've taken a lot uh, to heart of what they have said. And so in my Rheumatology hat. I'm now working with an international group of researchers to change the target of therapy. In other words, it's not just to have joints that don't hurt and are swollen mm-hmm. and to slow this down. We want to have a second target that is related to your quality of life, that includes your fatigability, your pain, your stress, and your happiness Mm. and we're starting to measure happiness and uh, happiness will be part of immune strength.
1: I love that. Um, next question is what is one thing you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it?
0: Uh, you know, um, my, I travel 150,000 miles a year and, uh, uh, I kind of fall off the wagon on a lot of my healthy behaviors mm-hmm. when I'm out of my little you know my my cubby hole here yes, i hundred so, percent agree it is yeah, hard so to do I'm, I'm still working on that one
1: mm-hmm. absolutely um last question is what does a healthy life look like to you?
0: oh healthy life is is uh primarily uh you know i i'm 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 a big fan of uh the Blue zone biology. Mm, yes. And uh, th- those are healthy lives. And I'm very envious of that. And, you know, and th- these people that are centarians around the world, I mean, none of them do willful exercise. Um, they eat these <laughs> lovely diets of very diverse um, uh, things. Their life is simple. Mm-hmm. And they're just surrounded by loved ones and community. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no zip codes and lower Manhattan for blue zones
1: <laughs> right and
0: uh, that that is you know that it's not my life but it, I, I would hope that in some microcosmic way uh, uh, I, I try to emulate that mm-hmm. what do you think of that
1: absolutely and I think you're bringing those blue zones to all of your patients right with your monograph and with immune strength yeah we try that's what we're doing right right <laughs> Lovely. Well, this has been wonderful. Um, Where can people find you, your Twitter handle, and where else would you want people to Uh,
0: follow me? Follow me on Twitter because we're providing updates of our um, uh, uh, progress on immune strength. Um, Healthcare professionals, I put on an immunology boot camp where we talk about the science of wellness. Next one will be uh, February 28th in Scottsdale, Arizona. You can find that at Cleveland Clinic CME website. Very simple. Um, I'm the editor of Helio Rheumatology, and I have editorial comments uh, every month, and it's online and it's free. You can Google that out. And uh, 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 I'm a pretty easy guy to find online.
1: Excellent. And your Twitter handle is?
0: Uh, At? Capital L, capital C, Calabrese, capital D-O.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me.
0: It's been big fun.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I continue to learn more from Dr. Calabrese every time I speak with him. And I hope you learned something from our conversation today as well. Here are some of my biggest takeaways. Number one is that chronic inflammation is a root of chronic disease. The immune system is the gateway to our body's optimal functioning and giving your body what it needs. For example, a nutrient-rich diet, regular movement, good quality and quantity of sleep, quality relationships and social interactions, and time for relaxation can foster a healthy immune system and therefore a healthy body. Just as the immune system keeps invaders like coronaviruses at bay, it can also keep low-grade inflammation and chronic disease at bay if we take care of ourselves. My second takeaway was that stress is not benign. In this episode, Dr. Calabrese actually talks about how he thinks stress is the biggest contributor to chronic sustained low-grade inflammation. And while it may not seem like it's impacting your health in the short term, chronic unregulated stress without strengthening the relaxation response to counter it can allow low-level inflammation to take hold and fester, manifesting in chronic disease later on. My third takeaway was that our genes are not our destiny. I think people often... Are thinking that because their family members have a certain disease, they're destined to get it. But now we understand that this is not the case, and there's a ton that is within our control that we can do to mitigate the risk of developing these diseases. This is because of epigenetics, basically the fact that your genes can be turned on and off based on your exposures or your exposome, as Dr. Calabrese discusses. So, if you expose your genes to the right environment, for example, the things we talked about before—a nutrient-rich diet, moving well, sleeping well, quality relationships, and relaxation you're less likely to activate those genes which lead to the development of disease. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and that you had some great takeaways yourself. We hope you learned something from this episode and that you'll consider becoming a Pursuing Health subscriber for less than the price of a latte every month to support the podcast. Given our role as family physicians, Danny and I feel very strongly about our responsibility to remain as unbiased as possible in order to foster trust with you, our listeners, our larger community, and our patients. Therefore, we've made the commitment not to accept any sponsorship or endorsement compensation from industry. Now, because we don't have sponsors, it's only with your support that we can continue to produce and improve the quality of the podcast from this point forward. It's our intention that by subscribing, you'll get back far more value than you give. Subscribers all gain access to exclusive discount codes from companies we trust and use ourselves. This allows us to share quality products and services with our community and pass on the value of our endorsement to you without you having to wonder whether we are getting compensated behind the scenes. Subscribers also have access to our Ask Us Anything forum and podcasts where Danny and I answer your questions, as well as our Morning 5 Sessions, 5 Minutes of Movements, programmed to help you jumpstart your day, and our other training programs depending on the level at which you subscribe. Our goal is for you to get back far more than you give with these benefits, and we only intend to increase the benefits to subscribers as time goes on. Visit pursuing-health.com forward slash subscribe to learn more and subscribe yourself. Again, that's pursuing-health.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health.